All right. Well, we're in a series called The Questions of a Disciple. We're actually ending that today. The Questions of a Disciple. All the disciples ask questions, not just the 12, but just disciples in the New Testament. People we have that came to Jesus only one time, that came that weren't named. All these different people ask questions. We learn the relationship with Jesus by the questions and interactions of his disciples. We learn relation, our relationship will grow and will grow when we learn about the questions of the disciples. So we're in John 9, the Gospel of John chapter 9. Let's look at this. Let's read John 9, 1 through 12. Now, as Jesus passed by, we're going to come back to what that means. He saw a man who was born, who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, they asked him a question, Rabbi, our teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he said the, when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So go where I send you. So he went and washed and came back and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, This young man, he was young, probably in his teens, who was born blind. He said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus, made clay and anointed my eyes and said, go and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. A very unique and interesting story. Jesus spitting on the ground just to show that Jesus's miracles could never be repeated. They were different. They were unique it was so that they couldn't be canned up like uh, so many times in history people tried to uh, do something in nature, do something like relics that would make miracles. Jesus just did it however he wanted to, however the Father led him to. So this is a very unique story. Let's look in and learn some things from the Word of God. You've got notes there. Let's look at this. Now, as Jesus passed by, now we need to know that something previous happened here. Something that we need to understand because it says, as he passed by, he saw. Passed by from where? Passed by, where did he come from? The Bible gives us that information for a reason, and it's actually found in just the verses before. In the verses before, it gives us the day. It gives us the attitude of Jesus. Is it morning? Is it evening? Where is he coming from? What's going on with him and his disciples? So let's look at this before we say our first point. John 8, 56 through 59. So Jesus is in the temple with the Jews, and he says... Verse 56, Jesus says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. I'm the eternal God from everlasting to everlasting, he says. They couldn't get it. He says, Then the Jews said to him, verse 57, You are not yet 50 years old, 
And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, most assuredly, absolutely, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's the great eternal word of God. I am. Verse 59. Then they took up stones to throw at him in the temple. Everything's getting hostile. But Jesus hid himself, not hiding, but covered himself. And he was having like a side conversation, at least the whole service and everything blow up. He hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So now we see he's leaving the temple. His disciples are with him. Their heart rate is finally coming down, thinking they're going to die with Jesus. They they always thought they were going to die with Jesus. I'm going to die today. I'm going to die today. He ended up dying. Some of them lived lived a long time. Some were martyred. Some lived a long time. So they're coming out of the temple. This is the environment, a non-successful event. It didn't go well. It's not Jesus' fault. It's sinners' faults. It's not Jesus' fault. He spoke the words in perfection. He spoke them in truth. The disciples were with him. It wasn't a lack of love. It wasn't a lack of uh, ability. He gave them the truth. They didn't want it. What did the Bible say? The light came into the world and the darkness hated it. They just didn't want it. And so the disciples are trying to follow Jesus out, trying to get their composure, and they come out. Then they turn their attention. I'm sorry, Jesus turns his attention, looking at this blind man, which prompts them to ask a question. Now we see this picture, and it says, Now as he, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man. Now we can look at it and say, number one on your notes. Ministry opportunities exist despite past pains. Despite it went bad and it went bad in church in a public place. It wasn't the disciples' fault. It wasn't Jesus' fault. It just went bad. If you try to do anything for God in a sinful world, sometimes it doesn't go great. And this is what happens. We throw our hands up and we say, okay, It didn't work, I'm out. No. You stay with Jesus, he'll go right out of the temple where people are getting ready to stone him and everyone around him, and he'll go, watch this. I'm going to use you. You're going to stand here with me. You're going to understand. You're going to see revelation. You're going to see miracle. Don't worry about the past pain. Jesus just, it's over for him. The disciples are probably struggling. Jesus lives so much like this. This didn't bother him near as much as most people. <laughs> it still affected him, but he just lived like this. So he said, okay, I'm just going to go right out. Here's ministry right here. I came to seek and save those that are lost right here. Ministry opportunities exist despite the past pains. Jesus actually applauded his disciples for this style of life, this lifestyle in Luke at the end. Let's look at Luke 22. I love the way he says this. Luke 22, 28. But you are those who have continued with me in what? In trials. When it, gosh, it just didn't go well. And I bestow upon you a kingdom. Wow. Just as my father bestowed one upon me. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, 
and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Oh, that is beautiful. I love that. That's beautiful. Despite the past pains, you understand you are with me in my trials. Jesus is speaking of thinking about the event in John. He's thinking about this time in John. I love the way Paul said it best in Philippians 13. This one thing I do, right? I forget those things that are behind me. I don't dwell on the past pains. I know that there are future things. I understand that I can serve the God of the future. Jesus, it's amazing that this didn't ruin his day and he didn't let it ruin the disciples' day. The disciples got to experience this great thing. John Wooden, he says, make each day your masterpiece. I think I would have just called it a day in the temple. But Jesus said, watch this. I'll just, out of all this mess you just experienced, I'm just going to come out here and do a miracle with this blind man. Now, the miracle is small potatoes with his eyes. The eyes are simply an avenue. We'll see in the rest of the story this where Jesus brings him. This actually occupies a whole lot of verses, a whole chapter, this young man who was born blind. It's the only time we have in the Bible a man born blind who is healed. So as Jesus passed by, so now he says this, verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him that the works of God should be revealed in him. I love the way one theologian says it. Suffering as his children is never without purpose and is wholly intended for the glory of God and the the manifesting of his works. God has a sovereignty over all his creatures and an right to them all and may make them serviceable to his glory in such a way as he thinks fit. What was the ultimate purpose? God didn't make this man blind. This is a fallen sinful world, affects everything to the cellular and molecular level. He was born blind. What was the ultimate purpose God would use this for? Not just getting him healed, but he's going to lead him all the way to himself that we'll find in just a little bit. Jesus doesn't deal with the brokenness of mankind and answering all the questions, kind of like Job, he simply says, so that the works of God should be revealed. That gives us an avenue to live life, and it's this, number two on your notes. Lighting a candle is more fruitful than cursing the darkness. It's just more fruitful in life to work the works of God instead of be frustrated with the darkness but to work the works of God. What was the first words Jesus ever said? We'll have to go way, way, way back. It's Genesis 1. He, didn't Jesus, all things were created by him and for him, and nothing was made that is made? What does Genesis 1 say? What is the first thing God says? It's not darkness. He says, darkness covered the face of the deep. And God said, be What a model. I'm just going to light a candle. I'll be the light of the world, and so are we. It is much more fruitful to light a candle than to just curse the darkness. Talk about how bad everything, and that's what the disciples, what's going on? Somebody sinned. Why is this such a mess? Hold on, hold on. This is that the works of God should be revealed. 
So he gets healed in a very unique way so that no one could formulate it, no one could can it, like I said. And then verse 11, this guy really doesn't know Jesus at all. He doesn't know much about him. He doesn't know who he is. So he gets healed, and then verse 11 says this. All, everything, you know, everybody starts talking, his neighbors and everything, who is he, if this is him or not. He says it is. Verse 11. He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go and wash in the pool. So I went, I washed, and received, and I received my sight. That is not a lot of information about Jesus. All he knows is that there's a man called Jesus who's healed him. But everyone's listening, and everyone wants to know more about Jesus. Everyone's listening, and everyone wants to know more about Jesus. This guy doesn't know that much. It tells me this, number three. Personal experience is always effective for evangelism. It's always effective. Whatever knowledge you have about Jesus, it's effective. When you tell people what God has done in you. I think, I know in my life, even, I know the Bible. I know the Word. I've known it. I've studied it for years and years. I went to school. I have apprehensions to make sure, can I answer every question with this lost person or everything they're dealing with, especially the younger generation, because they're kind of, they, they don't have, they, their foundation is pretty thin. They just don't have it built yet. It's not bad. It's just the way all young people are. But if I can tell them about what Jesus has done in my life, like, oh, you've experienced this. People desire so greatly to have authentic experience. Personal experience is always effective for evangelism. So you can be an effective evangelist. You can be effective no matter what you're doing, where, wherever you are in life. Okay, so... Because this is 20-something verses, they don't know what to do with this guy, so they bring him to the temple, the place Jesus just got kicked out of. They bring him to the temple. That was normal any time in the Old Testament. Someone had a miracle, something happened. Remember, they, they, the, the priest had to validate if leprosy was healed or whatever, all this stuff in the Old Testament, so they bring him to the temple. And so they go this back and forth with this young man who healed you. It was Jesus. Well, hold on, this can't be right. Are you sure? They get frustrated because he gets healed and he's proclaiming Christ. So long story short, they bring in his parents. The parents say, look, he's of age. He's a teenager. I know you can't trust teenagers and everything, but you can listen to him in this. So they get frustrated. They end up kicking him out of the temple. So as this old guy used to say in this picture, and now let's talk about the rest of the story. Just to bring you back a little bit. I remember his voice as a child. Now we got to go to John 9.35 to hear the rest of the story. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, I love the picture of this. I don't have any spiritual authority. Mine just hurt me. I'm young. I don't know what direction to go. What do I do? Jesus finds you. You know, the scripture says, I, don't, I won't leave you orphanless. I won't leave you without a comforter. Jesus finds him. He said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? Verse 36. He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? 
And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So the last two points are from these few verses. Verse 36, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? This is not a statement of unknown. We know it's not a statement of unknown because the the guy's next words after Jesus speaks. He doesn't say, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He knows who it is. He's getting to Jesus. This is the way he says it. This is the way the, the original language says it. Who is he, Lord? that I may believe in him. He's, he's reaching out to him already. He's, it's, this, it's, it's rolling in him. It's, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He's young, too. He's going to be energetic. He's reaching out already. Number four in your notes. Expectation is the first language of a disciple. This is how you know this kid's a young disciple already. He's, getting, he's right there. He's getting ready to follow Jesus and proclaim him as Savior. He has this expectation in him, expectation in his voice and in his words. This is the language of Christianity. All, this is the language. This is the way we talk. And I'll prove it to you in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. The entire chapter is the language of expectation. It goes over and over, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Listen to Noah. Excuse me, verse 6, 11, 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who have an expectation, who diligently seek him. And then it goes by faith, Noah and Abraham. It's just this language of expectation. This same as this young guy. Expectation is the first language, the first language of a disciple. You know, I love these emojis, all these things that are on our phones now. I say that right, emoji? Emoji? Yeah. What is that? What is that? If you look back on communication for the last 25 years, it is a evolving of language. You remember pagers? So pagers had numbers, but then that wasn't enough. They would try to figure out, what can I do with these numbers and symbols to make a what? Like a happy face, right? Then we, it evolved into this language of communication, this language of trying to communicate in a better way. And then it says, oh, we can do pictures, and that's worth a thousand words. And then we come to this man's communication. So he has this expectation, and then John 9, 38. Jesus said, you've seen him, and I'm right here with you. Verse 38. Then he said, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. That's such short words and such a beautiful conversion and salvation experience for this young man. Lord, I believe. 
and he worshiped him. Number five on your notes. Healthy relationships have something. They're naturally vocal. They're naturally vocal. Healthy relationships are naturally vocal. All right, one last scripture in Matthew chapter 10. Ten thirty-two. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men has a vocal relationship. Him will I also confess. I have a vocal relationship with him before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, which is still vocal, but a denial, denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Healthy relationships are naturally vocal. You know marriage is not going well when it's been all day and no one said nothing. <laughs> That's not a good relationship, right? You know it's a bad day in marriage when no one is communicating. And with this young man, Lord, I believe, and he did something, and he vocalized his relationship. Worship team, come back up. We're going to end with a vocal confession. Y'all can all stand up. make a vocal confession just like this young man did Lord I believe and he worshipped him and he worshipped him our belief always has a voice just a few minutes let's sing this out again to him and holy there is no Open up my eyes. 
Then he said to him, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Oh, what simplicity, what joyous, joyous simplicity. Lord, I believe, and I worship you. Let's come to the Lord with that as we close. Lord, we come to you today. We were worse than blind. We were spiritually dead. But you have made us alive through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe and we worship you. We believe and we worship you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You gave us eyes to see, spiritual eyes, to see the glory of the Son of God. Oh, thank you, God. And with simplicity, with a full heart of thankfulness, we say, thank you. And we worship. With confidence, we believe in who you are, the Son of God. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day.